0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Odd Couple podcast. This is Siddharthia. I'm Arjun. And I'm Dr. Sheesh. What's happening, Doc? What's happening nowadays?
1: Damn exciting news. I don't know. I think I've been waiting for this type of news for a very, very long time. I guess at the end of the day, we're going to say it's all a farce or whatever. But having said that, there's this dude from Israel. His name is Ham Ashid. He edited the Israeli space security program for 30 years. Okay, the dude's 87 years old. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard about this? He just came out and said that there are aliens and they have been in contact. And America and Israel have been doing business with them for, for like some time now.
2: Yeah, I remember reading about that. But doing business, sir, like what? With what money? <laughs> <laughs> this is how one story gets blown up into
1: another story. Into another. Okay, they're not doing business. I mean, they're like, they've been in contact with the US and Israel.
2: Apparently. So, I don't
1: know to what, ex- to what extent or to what not, but yeah.
2: But it's a good story because usually you'll have some cook, no? Suddenly you have senior guy in the government and all and that to Israel with Mossad fame and all saying like there are aliens and they've been in touch with US and Israel for the last, what? 30 years, huh?
1: No, no. He didn't say how long, but he just said that they've been in touch.
0: No, have you seen that documentary on Bob Lazar?
1: Yeah, 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 I've seen it, yeah.
0: On Netflix or Hotstar, I'm not sure which one, where it's about this scientist. So he basically was this scientist, and back in the 80s, he was recruited by the US government to reverse engineer one of the spacecrafts that they found. So he was taken to one of those Area 51 types, but even more secret base, where he said, I've seen at least five or six different shapes and sizes of UFOs, so not UFOs. They call it something else, alien flying object, or something like that. And he's like, he's seen them up close. He's outed the U.S. government back in the late 80s, early 90s, and his whole life has been systematically destroyed by the government, and they have made his life hell. And finally, he's come on. He's spoken. He's written a couple of books. It's a crazy documentary. You have to watch it. He's saying, "Boss, this exists. There were." Aliens which were there, the kind of equipments that they have, the kind of metals or the materials that they use is just mind-bogglingly... Uh, it, it cannot be fake. But Sid, who was Bob Lazar? I mean, why was he taken to see all these things?
2: What, engineer, scientist?
1: He was actually apparently an MIT graduate. And he was working on a, like a jet propeller for his car. That's what his story is that they saw him do that and thought that, okay, they were trying to reverse engineer the, an anti-gravity or anti-matter engine. And so they thought, okay, probably he might be a smart kid out of MIT and can crack this stuff. And so they recruited him for that. And then he was there for, I think, what, five years or six years. And then he was like, okay, I got to spill the beans on these guys.
0: Oh. But a lot of people called him crazy and not too many people believed him, you know. That's what happens, you know. A lot of people call all these people who out, they try and discredit them and, and call them crazy and stuff like that. And also follow them, I mean stalk them, have a lot of surveillance on them. Then these guys start thinking they, that they're going crazy also. So that's the whole idea. Oh, that's the whole idea. They give you that kind of pressure that, uh, so they make you think you're losing your mind. And people around you will think you're losing your mind. Correct.
1: If you guys remember, it started way earlier actually, like during the time of Roswell. I think that was the first incident which captured the mind of people about aliens and stuff like that. And so, Roswell was in the 1947. But the other funny thing is, now we actually have two US presidents who... have come out to say something about it. One was Jimmy Carter in the early 71, where he made a statement saying that he had seen a flying object. He and his friend had seen it. And he said, once I come into power, I'm going to try and expose it all and everything. And most of these guys all voted him in, but were sadly disappointed later on when he didn't say anything. And the other one is, are yours truly Donald Trump, who just recently started the Space Force also, which was Again, very conveniently, just a couple of years back or last year, if I'm not wrong. So which makes us have to wonder, no, whether there's something really there and is there really a reason that they should hide this stuff from us? I mean, this guy says that the aliens ask us to hide it because we are not prepared for this type of uh,
0: knowledge, you know? Yeah, Shish. I mean, I get it. There are two US presidents who kind of hinted at a possibility or whatever it might be. But the larger question is that is there a possibility of extraterrestrial life? Does ET exist? Or do you believe? Do I? Of course it does. Oh, you do? Oh, okay.
2: Arjun, you? Me? I completely believe they, uh, believe there's extraterrestrial life because it's simple. Because there is life on planet Earth, so there has to be life across this billions of permutations and combinations. But... Are they coming and Chumma buzzing us and like picking up farmers and going and uh, anal probing? And is the cultural phenomena true? I don't believe it. Okay,
1: I'm like Arjun also. I I believe that there is life somewhere in this universe or another universe probably. But I don't think they're smart enough yet to have contacted us. And I don't really see a reason why they should hide from us if, if
0: they had the possibility to. Okay, let me flip it the other way around. I think they're just too smart, too intelligent or life-form to even interact with us. Like, when is the last time you had a chat with a squirrel? Good point. An ant. That's a really good point. Or even a chimpanzee. Even from a DNA perspective, everything, we are 99% similar. But that one person difference in the genome sequence has led to such a wide gap of intellect and purely from a innovation point of view, right? Or the power of thinking. But at the same time, even though we are so alike in terms of intelligence, we are so far apart. There's a beautiful thing which Dr. Tyson, that's Neil deGrasse Tyson, tweeted the other day. He said, listen, we are gauging other animal or species intelligence based on what we can do well and not the other way around. So what if an alien life form, an intelligent alien life form, thinks that an octopus... Is a far more intelligent species than humans, and 76% of the earth is covered by water, anyways. So we might as well go to the majority, and there's smarter creatures out there. And we are just... That's what—that's a mediocrity principle, right? We overrate our intelligence.
2: Sid, that's a great example about the Earth being covered by water. Because if you guys remember Star Trek 4, there's this alien probe that comes to Earth and kicks up havoc because it can't find humpback whales. Because humpback whales was what it was in communication with millions of years back. And now it turns up and the humpback whale is extinct. And that's what it considered intelligent we just assuming just because, like, uh, uh, you know, there are human beings on Earth, what if some other species turns up and just interacts with something else based on what it deems as intelligent? Absolutely.
1: Okay, so you guys are saying might be philosophically or something on that extent might be right. But then, having said that, we have now left Earth's atmosphere. We have satellites, we have rockets, we have a International Space Station... Any being which is coming into our vicinity is obviously going to be seeing all this stuff. And when you see all that stuff, you'll be saying, okay, so here's a species and they have evolved and they, you know, they've got technology. So they're obviously going to see that. So nobody's going to be talking to the bloody octopus.
0: But you're assuming that they're like us.
1: Yeah, but if they manage to travel light years and they have to travel, that means... In a machine and they see other machines. Yes, in a machine, then yeah. If, if they are, like, what you're trying to say, that they are just, uh, like, coming out of an interdimensional uh, frame and then coming in and then saying, okay, I want to talk to something from a different... Yeah, on that scale, yeah. I, but I don't want to argue it that way. I'd like to
0: look at... It. Okay, there's something called Fermi's Paradox. Fermi's Paradox basically talks about observable universe is about 90 billion light years wide. Okay. In which it has about 100 billion galaxies. Okay. In that it has... Hundred to a trillion stars in each galaxy, which itself has trillions of planets. Alright? That's how wide and vast this whole space is. Now, considering, yes, there is an intelligent life, why would they come to and pinpoint this planet Earth, which we think is amazing and, oh, we are amazingly intelligent and shit like that, why would they come here? They might have gone somewhere else. Like, trying to come to earth is like trying to find a grain of sand on a beach saying that oh i like this particular grain of sand this is unique okay
1: fair enough Good question. But why don't I reverse it the other way, which is like, I don't need you to come here, but at least if you could make your existence known to smaller beings like me who might be searching for you because you didn't get there. You obviously went through what we all went before you realized that you were the superior species. So why not make your presence felt
0: that I can identify your presence. But no, you don't do that either. No. If we put out Morse code, Signals into space. If they don't know what Moscow, they're like, they don't. I mean, Moscow is, is ancient even in our generation. If somebody sends us Moscow, there's no way we can decipher it. Now we are talking about millions of years of evolution. And how are they going to understand what we are saying? Or the signals that they are sending us, we are not evolved enough to understand what signal it is. Correct. We are looking for radio,
2: or we are looking for those kind of this thing. What if there's another thing on the spectrum that which they communicate by?
1: See, that's the trouble with most people who are searching for extraterrestrial life forms. They've obviously, they're far more smarter than we are. So they've thought about all this stuff. So I think one of the first people who were seriously thinking about it was Sir Drake, whatever his name is, you know, and from where we have the Drake equation, which is the first guy who came to see and calculate which of these species have evolved with intelligence enough to communicate on our scale. So using us as a platform of intelligence, how many of these species could have evolved in our known universe? So he came up with this really complicated uh, equation which is very famously known as the Drake equation and anybody can google this but it had a lot of parameters to come to this formula right so like what, what is the average rate of a star formation in our galaxy what is the fraction of these stars that have planets but the most important of the the factors within the equation was the length of time for which such civilization were able to survive to send these type of detectable signals because most civilizations don't outlast their planets that's what his thought was, you know, so how many of those exist? When he calculated all this, the numbers which he got was roughly thousand to hundred thousand or hundred million uh, planets could exist, which could support intelligent life, which could communicate with us. That is the accepted, you know. But having said that, there are a lot of people who would say that all of these things which he used for his equation itself is not based on any reality. So the point which I'm trying to make is that we have one set of people who who sit and say that, okay, you know what, Drake equation. There are so many life planets out there. There should be life somewhere. And then there are other people who actually say that, you know what? Life here on Earth is really, really special and unique. And if you have to calculate the odds, the odds are really, really high. Just the, the, the size of our moon is the perfect size. If not, you know, we, we wouldn't have a perfect
0: tilt which
1: keeps the seasons going. So it's really special.
0: I think we give too much of importance, like I said earlier, that we think we are special. And that's the mediocrity principle, which is, I think all this is overrated and our intelligence is overrated. And we think, oh, people should reach out or we should reach out. All that is based on the fact, our own overestimations of ourselves and where we have arrived. There's something called Kardeshiv scale. It says any civilization goes through three phases. Phase 1 is where a civilization is intelligent enough to leverage and use all the resources on their planet to 100% efficiency. As of now, the human civilization is at 0.073% of that. Correct. Of achieving that. So we have long time to go before we can actually even usefully use all the resources in our own planet. Type 2 civilization is, fine, the planet has already been, the resources have been used efficiently. Next is they 100% use the, the sun, the star around it. So by using something called a Dyson sphere, which completely covers the sun and or partially and, and it extracts all the resources from that because that is the kind of energy that you need for interplanetary or interstellar journeys. Yeah. And then the type three civilization is when you do interplanetary travel, and then you do your whole uh, exploration.
1: Business. Which
0: Trump and the aliens are doing <laughs> business. <right now. laughs> Play intergalactic monopoly. Right. right. <laughs> but the whole factor is that when we are at point, say zero seven three of the Kardashian scale, by itself is like how non-intelligent we are, or how what a long way we have to go. That scale for me is why aliens are not talking to octopuses
1: and would rather speak to us. Because we are at least point zero zero something of using the resources
0: of this planet. These octopuses are not doing that. You don't know that, no. You're measuring your intelligence based on your own scale, no? Yeah, but we just created a scale, no? Let me put it this way. How are we going to communicate with aliens when we can't effectively communicate with an octopus? We are hoping that they are superior to us. and can. (laughs) That is exactly my point. And that is why we have not found aliens and we are hoping they find us. It is a brilliant point. How are we going to
2: talk to aliens? We can't even talk to an octopus. But you know what? Recently
1: I saw somebody pour this metal, molten metal into an anthill. And they kept pouring it and pouring it and pouring it. And it took them a week or so to fill the whole damn thing. And when they pulled it out, it was a whole one kilometer radius of a city. A subterranean city with tunnels, highways, shit
2: like that. So we wiped out an entire city e- Exactly, of
1: exactly. <laughs> So I'm just saying that we have that type of intelligence actually growing here. But you know, the other thought which I had said was, what if it's like that the last point in Drake's equation, which is the length of which a civilization stays, what if... Now, the Earth is around 3.7 billion years old. And our known universe is around 13 to 14 billion years old. It's quite a long time now. If you take us now, our human race has been here for around, let's say, 200,000 years. Let's assume. Yeah. I was thinking, now that's a really short period of time. And we have grown in 200,000 years. And our growth has been exponential in the last 100 years. What if there was a civilization well within here, within Earth... Like maybe in the first million years, in the first five hundred thousand years, they grew into a, into a super civilization, and they already left because Earth was going through a paradigmical shift. So they left, and now they are the the smart aliens. I should make a movie out of this, man!
2: Damn it! No, they already made a movie out of this, where like uh, where the dinosaurs left. Actually, a group of dinosaurs evolved into sauropods, and they actually vanished. And then millions of years later, we found out that these alien creatures that looked like lizards, oh shit, you guys were from Earth a million years, millions and millions
0: of years back. Because they already lived. Yeah. But Dr. Sheesh, your whole thing of an earlier civilization being much smarter and that's, and there is proof to it also, right? The Mayan civilization, or the Aztecs, or even the, um, the Egyptian civilization, a lot of it. There is a lot of theories which says that aliens are the ones who gave us technology, who helped us build these uh, crazy monuments, uh, which... Are rooted in astronomy and stuff like that. There's a book called The um, Chariot of the Gods by Eric von Daniken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: all the illustrations were drawn by little Fritz von Daniken. Okay, I don't remember that. <laughs> no, I meant it looked like his. It looks like his son drew all those things, saying, "Oh, see, aliens are here." <laughs>
0: No, but even if you look at back in mythology and stuff like that, everything is, again, based on giants uh, doing supernatural things, having super superpowers and stuff like that. Even our own, uh, yeah, our Veda is also full of it, like Ravana had the Pushpaka Vimanam, which flew at some crazy speeds and stuff like that. It's it's mind-boggling. I mean, it's hard to discount that there wasn't an intervention of a smarter species, which helped. And guided us to where we are today, or probably the whole thing was forgotten. And then we are again retracing the same old steps and trying to come back to speed is what I think it is. For me, the one thing that encapsulates like what you guys were talking about, no, the idea
2: of distance and the and the idea of all this time is in the beginning of every Star Wars movie, which is a brilliant line if you think about it. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That just blows everything out of the water, no? In terms, puts the distance Absolutely. down pat, puts the time down pat. That, how do you know what all
0: things have come, gone to? across
2: billions of yeah. years. exactly it's, it's, it's
0: 14 billion years and just to add to that if you want to visit every planet in our galaxy milky way if you want to visit every planet it'll take you 2 million years I think at what speed, at any speed, it'll take you far longer, dude. <laughs> it's going to take long time. So as Dr. Shish was saying, we are 13.8 billion year old universe. And our human civilization, as we know it, is about 200,000 years. If you shrink it to a space of a year, as a reference, human species is only 12 minutes. And Western civilization is just a couple of seconds. The Western civilization goes go crow itself. <laughs> <laughs> So at the end of it, I just think that we give too much of importance to ourselves. We think too much of ourselves. No, I don't think so, said I I think
1: we have to ask these questions. Only it's like what uh, what what is his name? Kepler or Kessler
2: or Johann 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 Kepler.
1: He was thinking of was why the Earth the Earth is so far from the Sun. Right. He was trying to calculate why the Earth is so far from the Sun. I mean, what that was his question as to in his head which was important but what was more important was why are we alive because we are only this distance from the sun
0: it's called the goldilocks zone yeah
1: Yeah, the goldilocks zone the thing is that there are millions and millions and millions of planets and and they're all at different lengths and everything so only after he realized that there are other planets did he realize that the actual question was are we in a goldilocks zone and what is a goldilocks zone so we should learn to start asking the right questions when you say that you know we think that we are uh, too important or whatever no i just feel that we need to be asking these questions because sometimes we ask wrong questions but we learn from that and then we start figuring out what the right question is
0: no i'm not saying that we shouldn't ask questions i'm just saying that the premise hmm. is a little flawed or at least in my eyes the premise that oh the aliens should come and interact with us oh we are smart we are intelligent is where i disagree Correct. partially Correct. not not completely yeah But at the same time, I think if we do it the other way around, let's say we build a spaceship which can go at warp speed and go through wormholes and cover intergalactic distances in like crazy amount of short time. At the same time, we need to have when we're going somewhere, we will go fully armed. So nobody's going to come there saying, hey, I want to be friends. Most often it's like, okay, I want to take over this planet and destroy it. Absolutely agree with you. With hostile intentions. So I really don't want an alien species to come here. Exactly, dude. Which civilization has
2: gone to? And visited another civilization, waving the hand, saying "Hello, how
0: are you?" <laughs> no, everyone was armed. Remember that. Uh, remember that evangelist who went to the Andaman Nicobar Islands who wanted to preach the gospel, and he went with a very friendly intentions, but they ca- caught him and ate him. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. What are the What are those cannibals called? I mean, they're not cannibals. I mean, what are those aborigines called? Yeah, the sentinels. <laughs> From the Sentinel Island. Crazy. But again, it's just like how we go about destroying the Amazon forest or any forest. Because we just want to take resources. We don't care about one dung beetle which is rolling its shit around. Correct. All colonization was about resources. No, not about, oh, hello, my brother.
2: Let us come and advance each other and... you know build something together
1: even the very scale which we use to say that we are earthbound or we are interplanetary bound i don't know what the scale was called that itself is measured only on resources No, so if you look at it that see that is why i really feel at the end of the day there is no other alien out there other than us and i feel we are the ones who are going to be going out colonizing and we might come across alien lives but i don't think they're at a sentient level like we would assume it to be. Maybe like how the ants are, they probably are intelligent enough. We've just not given them the chance and we probably will destroy that also.
0: I agree with you. But I just don't think that we'll reach that stage of intergalactic travel purely because before that happens, we will destroy ourselves. We already have nuclears and nuclear weapons and we're already destroying this planet. Unless like the day the Earth stood still, the galactic
1: force comes and stops
0: and intervenes. The whole species, they just eliminate one species, which is us, (laughs) because they do not want us to destroy a planet. Look at anything, even look at back in Superman, Krypton. Krypton was exploding because they reached that type 1, type 2 civilization mode. It it was just destroying itself. But
1: there's a very nice dialogue inside The Day the Earth Stood Still, where um, I think the Home Minister meets the alien for the first time. And he asks him, why have you come to our planet? And the alien looks back at him and says, your planet? What makes you think this is your planet? Correct. I'll end it on that.
0: So guys, thank you so much for listening to us. And do let us know if you believe... If aliens exist or not.
1: I want to know if anyone's seen something which has blown their mind or which has been unexplained.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of unexplained phenomenons, but that's usually when I step out of a bar. So we don't want to hear those. <laughs> those <laughs> things. So stuff that you've seen when you're sober. Thank you so much for tuning into us. This is Siddharth. This is Arjun. Ma'am Dr. Sheesh. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>